Welcome to your Right to Speak discussions on social justice and advocacy. This is episode 64, and you're listening to the Rising Youth Podcast Edition. I'm your host, Salvatore. On this episode, we'll be talking with Cassandra, who is the co-founder of an agency called Mentoring the Stars. Mentoring the Stars is a non-for-profit tutoring organization aimed at helping students struggling to find adequate academic supports during the pandemic. The main goal uh, is to help children of all grade levels, backgrounds, and learning abilities to address the transition to online classrooms through remote learning led by volunteers. So I'm very excited to have Cassandra on the show today. Uh, Can't wait to see where this journey takes us. Cassandra, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be able to participate in this podcast. And I'm really excited to speak with you about Mentoring the Stars. Like you said, my name is Cassandra Halbron and I'm the co-founder and chief of operations of the Mentoring the Stars Foundation. Outside of this program, I'm an undergraduate student at the University of British Columbia and I'm studying biology. I plan on continuing my education in dental school with the end goal of becoming an orthodontist. As you can see, I'm quite invested in the education system. So this is where I I got my passion for helping British Columbian youths stem. This is where it stems from. Um, I'm kind of in it for the long run. Well, welcome. So we're just gonna do uh, your right to speak fashion as always and dive right into the questions and uh, see where this takes us. Okay, awesome. So I first want to ask you, how did you come across the Rising Youth Grant? Um, Where did you find it? How did you hear about it? Uh, One of my coworkers has worked with nonprofits in the past. So she had already applied for the Rising Youth Grant for one of her other organizations. And she brought it up when we were discussing funding. I know that there are a lot of resources available to help students with various volunteer projects. So one of my first instincts while applying for grants was to search for youth grants. Unsurprisingly, Rising Youth was one of the first results that came up in my search. So even if it wasn't recommended to me, I would have come across it eventually. That's awesome. And did you find it was easy to um, like apply for? Definitely. Compared to most applications that I filled out, this grant was really straightforward, which I greatly appreciated. Its simplicity made it really easy to apply, and I knew exactly what steps I had to take to submit the application. And what made it so easy for you? Uh, All the questions were really straightforward. I don't think it added any little unnecessary details, which was greatly appreciated. There were um, descriptions when anything wasn't straightforward, and and it was just me who had to fill out the application. There were no references either, which was nice because we were just starting out, and for a very small company who didn't have any clients yet, this was really needed for us. Yeah, I hear the Rising Youth Grant. You know, I've been talking to some of the alumni for uh, some time now, and it is a common theme that I'm finding that it is so easy and it's good for, um, you know, people who want to are just starting off and have never applied for a grant because it's so straightforward. 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I felt like. This was one of my first grants that I ever applied to inside and outside of Mentoring the Stars. So it took a little bit of the edge off. Well, that's good. So our listeners are probably wondering if uh, you can talk more in depth about what Mentoring the Stars is. Um, Can you further explain it? Yeah, of course. Mentoring the Stars offers free online tutoring to students of all grade levels, backgrounds, and academic accommodations by qualified tutors. We mostly offer math, English, and science tutoring sessions, but more courses are available upon request. Whether or not we can supply a mentor for new subjects is based on whether or not we have tutors who are capable of teaching them. I started this project along with my coworkers, Jennifer and Adrija, after we were inspired by a similar project called Tutoring for Heroes, started by students at UCLA. Our original intention was to offer educational help to the children of healthcare workers during the pandemic in our country. Since this pandemic has abruptly transitioned all classes online, parents are expected to be a substitute to the teachers who their children can no longer see face to face. We recognize that this is practically another job on top of working around the clock in hospitals. But once we launched, we noticed that many other people need our services too, not just healthcare workers. Parents who have been laid off from their jobs and can no longer pay for tutoring, parents who are now tasked with teaching their children from home but don't know how to approach the teaching, even people who didn't have access to tutoring to begin with and now can take the opportunity um, to join Mentoring the Stars. So we have opened up this service to all VC families with the goal of promoting access to free educational support, regardless of grade level, background, or potential learning disabilities. Now, I say VC families because we are a provincial-run organization, so we are only legally allowed to house information from our students if they reside in British Columbia, but we're looking into expanding to the national level. We're communicating with students in other provinces to create Mentoring the Stars headquarters, so to speak, in those provinces. Yeah, I think, it, you know, um, because it's online, uh, it, it would be very cool if you could somehow expand your services um, nationally. Mm-hmm. But I would absolutely love to do that. And we actually have quite a few keen students in both Alberta and Ontario, I believe, who want to start their own mentoring the SARS pseudo um, houses Mm -hmm. in their provinces because they see the need there as well. And I'm curious from what your thoughts are on this or how you would tackle this in the future um, or currently as well. You know, there are some, you know, students who possibly don't have access to internet or a laptop Um, but may have, let's say, a phone. Would you be able to offer tutoring service through phone if they don't have a laptop? Or is it specific for students who just have like a laptop and internet? Yeah, obviously it's not ideal if you don't have a laptop. And because usually with the communication platforms online, it's better suited to a computer or a laptop because some of the features are only compatible with a bigger screen, such as the whiteboard function or screen sharing. Um, But absolutely, you can do this um, wherever you are as long as you have access to the internet. We don't really limit 
our tutoring to one platform. So if that platform isn't compatible, say maybe Zoom or Collaborate Ultra, you always have other options. It's not really set in stone. And of course, hopefully with the pandemic slowly easing up in the future, um, the libraries will become more and more open and that's where the free access to computers really is. And that's where we hope that people who don't have um, the accessibility to internet or a computer, I, I hope that's where they would go to access their education through our services. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad you all don't have, um, you know, funding to kind of do, um, so in Toronto, when uh, the school shut down during the pandemic, the school boards were lending out um, like uh, Chromebooks and the students would have to mail it back to the school. Um, so it would be great eventually if you all got some sort of funding to kind of lend out laptops or something like that to kind of assist students who don't have the means to, to get your service if I'm making sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think that's a great idea. And I, I hadn't heard about this in Toronto. So if Vancouver, even just mentoring the stars ourselves started doing this, I think that would be really helpful to people who don't have this kind of availability to the internet. Right. Um, I just lost my train of thought, but we're just gonna roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Have so I, I think what I really want to ask you too is because um, I've worked with within the disability community in my early years of my career. Um, so I'm very curious to know if you and your team have found it challenging uh, in working with young people who have a disability. Um, so what I mean is, for example, if they need a large amount of support. Um, it, yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll say support. Um, do you find that you and yeah. your team have had a struggle adjusting from um, in person um, to, I guess, really meet the needs of various abilities? That's a good question. This is actually one of my main concerns before we launched back in April. I started doing research on learning disabilities because I knew that could really be one of our main roadblocks if we couldn't keep their attention or if we, you know, if the screen kind of limited our ability to connect with them in some kind of way and enhance their learning. And I even contacted the program for students with disabilities at my old high school. What I found was that despite the challenges that come along with teaching a child with disabilities, there are also systems in place to make this progress a little more manageable. If a student has been diagnosed with a learning disability, chances are that they've been um, given an individualized education plan, but it's more commonly referred to as an IEP. Yeah. IEPs contain the specific disabilities of the student, what they need help with and what their goals are, and most importantly, very specific steps on how to help them achieve these goals. So essentially, children, children with IEPs um, have the additional benefit of having a lesson plan practically laid out for the tutor thanks to this last section of the document. Usually if you have permission to access this form from either the mentee or their parent, little planning is required on the part of the tutor. We're also very fortunate to have a lot of experienced tutors who have dealt with students who have learning disabilities in the past so that 
they have been a great asset in helping students who need extra support. Um, we've taken on students with disabilities ranging from ADHD and anxiety to those who are completely deaf. And we're very careful to only match students to mentors who can confidently take them on. Um, I'm curious, have you ever worked with a student who, let's say, has um, like autism or Down syndrome that are, you know, like we know autism is a spectrum. Um, so, you know, I guess a student who has autism who needs a fair amount of support. Have you ever worked with a student like that? To be honest, I personally have, but not in Mentoring the Stars. Right. Outside of um, Mentoring the Stars, I'm a swim instructor, and we also get a lot of students with different physical learning and mental disabilities. And I think I have taught one student with autism before. Um, but in Mentoring the Stars, I think not me, but one of our other tutors has taken on a child with autism. and we find that usually the parents are super supportive because they know that through a screen, you can't really have the same amount of interaction that a child with autism needs to actually keep their focus and um, learn from what you're trying to tell them. So usually if these children are really young and have a good support system, the parents will often sit in on the lessons and that'll be very helpful. Apart from that, I haven't really heard feedback from any of our other volunteers that they've been having trouble with children with learning disabilities. So I honestly can't tell you if there's been yeah. <laughs> some, well, because we haven't heard of any. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I'm just, yeah, it was just something that, you know, I, I was thinking about when I read about your, you know, agency, um, mm -hmm. because I'm sure it's something that some of the teachers are struggling with currently too. Um, because sometimes, yeah. um, sometimes the in-person support is just better than the online support, right? And I, I would imagine that because everyone has different learning styles, there's going to be a lot of students out there struggling right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way of comparing in-person to online. There's just something missing from interacting face-to-face -face that we don't get through a screen. And I, I think that's very unfortunate, but um, we have to do what we have to do in this situation, right? And I, yeah, like I said, we're super lucky to have some really keen volunteers who just really want to help out anybody. And they've dealt with tutoring before, and they've dealt with tutoring people with specific disabilities before. And so they really just knew what to do. And that, that's been a great help with the program because we never really had to jump over that next hurdle. You know, they had already jumped over it themselves. Yeah, it's great. It's, uh, I think this is a service that is needed, particularly in a world that we're living in now. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of taking us a little bit off track, which I sometimes do, <laughs> but still relating to your agency. Uh, I'm also wondering, you know, because there are a lot of um, like tutoring type of services out there. And what mm -hmm. I'm generally seeing across the board is that there's really no support for the parents, meaning that you know, I would love to see for some sort of tutoring agency to 
all for parents kind of like a pre-tutoring um, service of this is how maybe you could assist, you know, your child while they're doing virtual learning. Because you can't always see a tutor all the time, right? So I think the parents need some sort of resource to kind of assist them as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that most of the people who come to us, apart from the people who um, are really struggling and are working and can't take care of their kids with teaching or they can't afford the teaching, I think most of the people who come to our services are because they have no idea what to do um, with tutoring their kids now that they can't go to their teachers in person, right? Um, so I think that would be a great idea. And actually, this is great feedback for when we're growing our program. Um, I've dealt with a similar thing. Like I said, I teach swimming lessons. Um, and we do a similar thing with parents in the pool where we're like, this is your newborn baby. Obviously they can't learn to swim yet, but take them to our swimming lessons and we will teach you how to take care of your child in the water instead of teaching your child how to swim in the water because they don't, they don't have the capacity to do that yet. Um, but we teach things from floats and glides to water safety. And I think that would honestly be a really great aspect to bring into our own program. Um, because it's not super straightforward. You can't just tell them something and they're going to absorb it. Students are a little bit more complicated that and they need all these wide varieties of ass assets that you can give to them, um, especially online. There are great um, tools that you can use. And I think people just don't know where to look for them. And I, I think if we gave a little bit of a course to parents on that, that'd be super helpful. So yeah, that's a great idea. You're welcome. Lessons. <laughs> so I was wondering, would you be able to tell me what you feel the pros and cons are to tutoring online versus tutoring in person? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the great aspects of tutoring online is that it's very convenient. Without a physical location to teach at or be taught at, we can find the most compatible matches between mentors and mentees while they're physically nowhere near each other. We have tutors operating in different time zones and even one in a different continent. Not to mention, you are no longer running from task to task anymore, so tutoring electronically eliminates the time needed to run in between sessions. Another amazing aspect of digitalizing this process is that it makes it very easy on my part as a coordinator to run the show. Everything's online. Tutors are interviewed online, communications online, classes are online. In fact, I've never met one of my coworkers in person. We met online to create this project. I, I've only met one of my other coworkers. So there's this added level of personalization available as well for both the mentor and the mentee. When we're pairing up a student to their tutor, we're primarily looking for complementing subjects and availability, just like any other tutoring program that you might go to. However, other individualization options are available. Mentors can choose what age ranges they're comfortable with teaching, whether or not they can teach children with learning disabilities, and how many hours a week they would like to volunteer. And mentees can let us know about their accommodations, if they want single-person sessions or group sessions, and how many hours a week they need tutoring. There are obviously some downsides to remote tutoring. 
while your laptop is your tutoring session um, is where your tutoring session may be taking place. It's also housing many distractions such as video games and social media. It's easy to lose focus when quick entertainment is so accessible. Um, this is why most schools will recommend that you turn your phone on silent and close all your other browsers to reduce temptations during your designated learning time. And as I've said before, it's also harder to create a personal connection through the screen. This is one of the reasons why each student is matched with one mentor throughout the course of their tutoring at Mentoring the Stars. We find, we find that this allows for a deeper connection between mentor and mentee, which can help them more effectively identify areas they need to focus on in their tutoring. But there are obviously still gaps that uh, teaching in person can't be filled um, or teaching online can't be filled compared to teaching in person. And that's just one of the disadvantages we have to deal with. And we have to weigh our pros and cons when we're um, choosing what kind of tutoring we want to be teaching, right? Yeah, I feel like, you know, I would imagine that one of the biggest cons or challenges would be the relationship building between tutor and student or mentee. Um, it's you know, I've found that it's a lot easier to do it in person. Um, so I think it's, it, I wouldn't say a con, it's just a new challenge um, to kind of build that relationship virtually and what that looks like and how do you fully engage someone and stuff like that. Right, absolutely. And that's kind of one of the big aspects of mentoring the stars as well, right? Because this isn't tutoring the stars this is mentoring the stars we kind of want to build that connection and be there for the student this is a hard time that they're going through and they may not have family that they can go to if they're stressed about something or some of our students are applying to universities and they really don't know what they should be doing because everything's kind of changed right now so you kind of can bounce off these ideas on these older students, your mentors, um, and without that personal connection, it kind of doesn't go as far of a way as we would want it to. So that's why we're kind of trying to build these strong bonds between them. So really, in a sense, you're, you're tutoring, but you're also mentoring. I, I hear is what you're yeah. trying to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously, our main goal is tutoring. We are an education-based program, but um, we we deal with a lot of things. I've had feedback from tutors saying that um, kids are struggling, not just in school, but in everyday life, trying to fulfill, like find a need to fulfill, which obviously stands way farther than education. And they've told us about how they've been talking them through and saying, hey, I, I was just like you at your age. Um, and I, I figured it out by doing this, this, and this. And sometimes you just have to like live it out and learn from your experiences. And from the feedback we're getting from the parents, that seems to be really helpful. And I'm so happy that our tutors really want to go this extra mile and make this connection and help out the students past what we're telling them to do, right? We're not like, hey, go change these students' lives. They just feel like they should do that themselves, which is great. And it sounds like it's a very natural process right now, which is good. You, you don't want that mentoring piece to be forced on a student or youth, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're, 
there are templates for so many things in life, but I don't think that personal connections is something that you can fit into a yes. box. <laughs> As I have learned. <laughs> exactly. We all should learn too. <laughs> um, I, I'm just curious because, uh, you know, the mentoring piece is an interesting um, aspect for me. Have there been any other, you know, specific topics that have come up for your mentors slash tutors, um, possibly relating to the pandemic? Like, are you saying that they're having specific troubles through the pandemic that we have to help them work through? Yeah, possibly. Or they're just feeling lonely or they miss their friends at school, stuff like that. Or they're worried about what the school year will look like for them because of the pandemic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, this is a super uncertain time. And I think as a child, at least personally speaking, a lot of my um, stresses came from when my parents were stressed. Mm. You know, your your parents are your rocks. And if, if they are feeling uncertain about a certain situation, that, that can be really daunting as a child. So if you see your parents worrying about money because they've been laid off or worrying about your grandparents because they're immunocompromised or worried about they're, they're getting anxious because they're not really having as much social social interaction, like the parents are affected just as much as the students are and I think the students also feed off of this um, feelings of stress and so um, it kind of builds up into them which you know we don't want happening because they have their own stresses in life and I think um, if we can take that away from them then absolutely we should um, because they should be focusing on school instead of if their grandparents are going to be okay or if they're gonna be financially okay in one year, right? Um, so hopefully this is also just a distraction from all, all of those stressors. I think that we do have a lot of younger kids who are in our program, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that um, parents are making their little kids apply for this program as almost like a babysitting program for them. Not to say that we're just parenting for them, but it's kind of just like one hour a week away from the parents where they can focus on something else, interact with someone else when they normally wouldn't have the chance to do so otherwise. Right, and it also gives the young person um, some other sort of engagement, right? Instead of always seeing like mommy and daddy or who they see as parents, um, they're seeing someone else. Exactly. If if you've ever taken any psychology, psychology course in high school or university, you know that um, social interaction is so important in the development of children. And if you don't have access to other people or um, to conversations, you can't bounce off their ideas, like you're not going to grow and mature as much or as well as you would be um, otherwise. And that's not saying that in these past like few months, not being able to play in a playground with all your friends is going to stunt our whole generation. But, you know, it, it's still difficult. It's still um, a burden on these kids. Um, they want to go and have fun with their friends. And I'm sure in some form, they really do understand why they can't. But deep inside, you know, you still have that longing to go and hug your friends. And um, if 
we can kind of make up for this in a certain way with um, interactions with students, um, whether or not they're their age. I think it's really making up in a big way for interactions that they should be having in person. Right. Um, you know, as you're talking, I'm just, I'm going to totally kind of pull us off the rails. Um, Cause that's just what I do sometimes, but I, <laughs> I, I am, am wondering what is the school year looking like in BC? Um, is it all remote learning? Uh, are they doing like some in-person, some remote learning? What's it looking like? Um, so from my understanding, it's a little bit of both. There's some remote learning and there's obviously some in-person learning. Um, all of my references are coming from my little brother. He's in grade 10 right now, so he's in high school. So I don't really have as much of a reference for the younger grades, but from what I hear, you have an option. You can either choose to go to school in person, or if you feel uncomfortable and you think that this can comp compromise you or compromise your family, you can stay at home and watch pre-recorded lectures or um, sit in on the classes in Zoom meetings. Um, I know that a lot of people are choosing to go to school, which makes sense, especially with um, teenagers or elementary school kids. You know, like I said, they really want this social interaction. I don't blame them for um, striving for it and going in person and, you know, looking to see their friends. I, I think there are certain measures in place, at least in my brother's high school, you're supposed to wear masks in the hallways. Um, and then in class, you only have two classes um, a day for two months. So while normally you would have up to eight classes for a whole year, right now they're having two classes, um, a final, five classes, of their finals, and then one class and a final. So it's a two, five, one system, just so that you're interacting with the same people all right, the time. Right. Um, which which makes a lot of sense. And then they've also added another layer on top of it that they have lanyards and each lanyard is a different color and you're only allowed to interact with people with lanyards of that color. Oh. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see if that actually works because obviously lanyards aren't attached to your neck and I think some students will take them off. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> but um, so everything you were saying was, sounded very similar to what... Uh, I've been hearing is happening in Ontario, but the lanyard piece I've not heard. Uh, that's a very interesting thing. Mm -hmm. I believe they're doing bracelets for elementary school students just because you can't take it off. Right. Um, <laughs> um, which makes sense. And little kids are definitely the ones we want to look out for. They're coughing on each other and they're hugging each other and you know not to say that's a bad thing in everyday life but obviously during a pandemic that's not ideal that is interesting oh i never would have mm -hmm. thought to to do lanyards so i guess whatever like colored lanyard you're in that is your school bubble in a sense yeah exactly so i guess um i'm not sure if you get to apply to be with your friends or if you just have to hope and pray that you're in the same group as your best friend but um yeah that that's 
the method they've chosen to go with. Wow, interesting. Well, thank you for that perspective, because I never would have thought lanyards. Interesting. Yeah. You're living in interesting times, Cassandra. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Revolutionary thinking yes, going on here. Yes, very much so. Um, so, uh, you know, I wanted to also ask you, and I, I, for, I get the sense that your agency was um, like more or less fairly new. Am I correct in thinking that? Yeah, it definitely, yeah, it, I think it was. Okay, so um, I'm going to ask this question and uh, we'll see where it takes us. I, okay. I'm really curious to know um, if you found that your like mentors slash tutors had to adjust their teaching style um, to find the students' uh, needs during this difficult time. So basically you know we we know that some students are going to be less motivated um so do you feel like you have to use different strategies to engage these students because they've been away from school for so long absolutely students now spend all day watching someone talk on their screen if they're choosing to be taught yeah. online and they don't want to spend their time after school doing the same thing again with us Luckily, there are so many useful programs available for online tutoring, like I was talking about before with our parent example. The added features such as the whiteboard or the screen sharing function on certain communication platforms has proven to be useful in adding an extra dimension to tutoring sessions, since watching someone talk for an hour isn't very engaging. We also have mentors create Duolingo, creating Duolingo accounts for their mentees for a fun and interactive method of tackling language learning. Basically, anything fun and diverse that keeps students engaged is encouraged because we not only want students to learn, but we also want them to love learning. In addition, we provide our mentors with various resources to not only create a more unified tutoring system, but also to help out tutors who have little to no tutoring experience. We want them to make this program accessible to mentors as much as to mentees so that they can feel comfortable building their teaching and interpersonal skills. We provide them with lesson plan templates, flowcharts, external links and resources, tutoring workshops, and shadow sessions. We believe that if the tutor is prepared for the tutoring sessions, it'll reflect better on the learning of the student. And ultimately that's our goal. Well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> um, so in a perfect world, if you had all the funding possible, what tools do you feel like you need to make engagement online um, most successful? Or do you feel like you already have those things at your fingertips? Oh my goodness, that's a good question. I, I wish we lived in that perfect world. <laughs> um, uh, we obviously already have so many tools at our disposal and we, we have so many creative tutors com coming up with new things every day um, that maybe we could even figure this out without um, that necessary funding that you were talking about. but. Um, in my mind, there's always extra steps that we could be taking if we have the opportunity. Um, we, on my part at least, I would love to have um, 
kind of an organizational platform to give resources to all of our tutors. Right now it's a little bit messy because we just started and we were like, here you go, this is everything we have. We want you to have all the best resources, but you know, it's not as, as tidy and organized as I was like I would like it to be. So um, I know these there are certain platforms, um, some called Slack or Confluence, where it's basically just a database of all um, the information you want and it's neatly organized almost like a website but it's like um, password protected and it has certain levels so I would have access to more information than some of the other tutors um, just because I'm um, a coordinator and I'm more into the organizational aspect um, so I think that might enhance the tutoring if we um, you know made it easier for our tutors to find what they needed for their tutoring sessions, but on the side of the mentees, there's obviously so much that we could be giving them as well. Um, we could be upgrading all the Zoom sessions of all of our tutors so it doesn't time out at 40 minutes, which would be nice. Uh, you know, you you go with what you have, right? Um, and then there's also so many um, tools online that we're trying to access that we're right now, we're, we're just on the free side, right? We're, um, on the free side of Duolingo, we're on the free side of Zoom and um, all the note card apps that, you know, um, we don't have any subscriptions to those. So in a, in a perfect world, we would eliminate all those obstacles. But for right now, um, I don't think it's too big of a deal to have to go through the ad every once in a while um, if it means that these students can have the learning opportunities that they wouldn't have before. Right. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, have you ever thought about tutoring adults um, or like um, young adults, so students in post-secondary, or are you just focusing on like the early years, high school type of age? Yeah, absolutely. It's coming to my mind. The only reason um, we didn't really feel like doing this to begin with was that all of our tutors are young adults and I feel like it would kind of be a little intimidating when you're talking to someone your age maybe even younger than you uh, I, I feel like that's not very motivating you know um, when you're like oh wow look at this person who is my age or younger and they're doing so much better you know that's that's not very motivating and not to say that that's the right way of thinking, but um, we don't want anyone to be discouraged from learning. We want people to love learning and we want people to grow from our services instead of to internalize any um, resentment they might have towards their own skills in academia, right? But we have recently opened up this volunteer opportunity to UBC alumni. They have a group called the A Project, which is a bunch of alumni, alumni who come together and volunteer, but obviously they haven't really had a chance to do that this year because the opportunities that they were planning before were all in person. So they came out and they contacted me when they saw um, me as a university student. I went on the news um, and they were like, oh my goodness, we can definitely find her in our database. <laughs> so they, they looked for my email and they reached out to me and they presented um, their volunteers to us because they they wanted a volunteer opportunity as well. So it's kind of a mutual relationship between us. Um, 
And then, so now we have people ranging from 18 years old to like retired and they just want to go help out the younger generation and go back to the good old days when they're in university and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's absolutely um, feasible now that we have people of all different age ranges if we want to help out um, young adults or even um, older adults. I think that's definitely um, available if we open that up. We just haven't yet. Right. Like, I mean, you're just starting off, it sounds like. So, I mean, the world is your oyster at this point. Exactly. There are so many opportunities. And honestly, we're going in so many different ways right now. It's pretty exciting to see where we're going to end up. It's a cool time for you all. So uh, I say enjoy the ride. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm doing my best. (laughs) Um, I am curious also, and I I know a lot of these questions, um, because I do recognize that you are just starting off, but um, I I think it's good to just ask you these questions anyways, um, because I'm just curious. Um, So after COVID ends, and it goes away, hopefully soon, Mm -hmm. what are you hoping... um, your organization will look like after that? We would love to continue expanding as we've helped so many people already, according to the amazing Mm -hmm. feedback that we've gotten from our mentees and their families. Even when the stress of the pandemic goes away, we still want to help people who have limited access to tutoring, who can't afford tutoring, or are still immunocompromised and are afraid to meet educators in person. I don't believe that there will be a reduced need for free remote tutoring after this pandemic, and I think that our tutors will still want to help. The pandemic has changed our view of working online, and I don't think this new mindset is going away. I think that people are embracing the idea of a more virtual world, and so are we. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that the pandemic definitely has changed our mindsets, for better or worse. Um, mm-hmm. I do agree with you that there, there is going to be a need for um, free tutoring in general. I, I think that's always lacking. I, you know, have been working with youth for quite a bit of years right now. And whenever I tried finding a tutor for one of my youth, it was always a paid service. And, you know, I'm working for non-for-profits or charities that we just don't have the funding <laughs> to pay for tutors, you know? Um, The money's just not there. And I found it very difficult to find free tutoring services. So I think the need is most definitely there. Um, I think it would be great in the future if you all could do the laptop thing that I was explaining, because that is, you know, a gap that I've kind of seen is how do you support someone who needs free tutoring but then also doesn't have internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm definitely going to keep that idea with me once um, we work forward to getting more funding and everything like that. And we continue growing um, our organization because like I said, we just want to help out as many people as we can, as best we can. Um, and if this is a way that can help a lot of people, then I'm all for it. So we're near the end of our conversation. 
And uh, I have two more questions for you. One is my trademark question, but the other one just popped into my head. And I'm in okay. a very reflective mood right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give someone who is tutoring online or is just starting to tutor a student online? Mm -hmm. um, there are so many resources available and you really just have to know the right places to look. I think step number one, you need to go find out what this kid needs to learn. If they're in math in grade nine, the easiest thing you could do if you're in BC like I am is just to go into the BC updated curriculum um, website and then you go into the math, you go into grade nine and it tells you all the learning objectives in grade nine math that these kids need to meet um, to pass grade nine. So right away you have everything they need to know. Obviously I'm in university. I don't even remember all the learning objectives I needed to um, get through in grade nine. So this is a really great tool you can use just to know where your starting point is. And I think step number two is to see what your specific individual mentee is looking for. Um, we have kids, mostly elementary students, trying to tackle completely new concepts. Like, what is multiplication? What is division? They've never heard of these, and now they're trying to figure this out on a computer screen. Um, we have middle school students who are, who are mostly looking for um, that elevated challenge they're looking for the hardest problems they want you to give you what they want them to be given really hard practice problems so that they can work on it um, and maybe even help them through their homework that they're really not getting and we have high school students who are looking for you to check over their homework look over their essays find their mistakes and to improve where they didn't know they had these errors so really every kid is different and it, it does mostly depend on their age range, but sometimes it, it depends on the individual as well. Um, so you really should get to know your mentee and what they're looking for, because what um, my brother could be looking for in high school is not the same thing as what um, your brother could be looking for in high school or what someone else's brother could be looking for in high school. Like everyone needs um, a different level of tutoring. So you have to be prepared to step away from that template in your mind and like this is what my lesson's going to look like because it it might not be what um your student needs and then um last but not least just make it engaging because not only are your students going to lose focus if it's just you talking at them for an hour a week um and I don't think you're going to have a lot of fun if you're just like trying to shove some content content into the student's brain, right? You, you want the information to stick and you want them to want it to stick. And if that's through um, learning games or if that's through funny personal anecdotes that connects to your socials lesson or something like that, um, just make it entertaining for the both of you. You'll deepen your connection. Um, you'll make them want to learn more. You'll make the information stick in their brain more and you'll keep them coming back week after week. Um, so obviously there's, there's so many different things you can do as a tutor to set yourself apart. Um, but I think just get to know your student and make it fun for both of you. And you're, you're going to love teaching as much as they're going to love being taught.
That is some great advice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, You know, what I'm hearing you a lot say is make it one engaging and take an individualized approach. There is no cookie cutter approach to tutoring or even teaching a youth. And it, you know, that that's very much as well in, you know, so social social services where I work as well. You know, I've, I'm a strong advocate for individualized approach. So I'm very pleased you've brought that up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As you much know, as, as you must know, uh, people don't like being treated as if they're just like anybody else. You know, you have to recognize them as a person and treat them as such. So there's a lot of, of power in, in finding out about the person you're spending a lot of time with. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, so I'm going to ask you our last trademark question. <laughs> what does advocacy mean to you? To me, advocacy is the work of an individual for the benefit of a group. It's as important as ever to find a cause that needs attention and take action for the benefit of those which it affects. There are so many examples of this in our society today, and there's always work to be done. These causes are intangible and they have no voices, so they can't be heard until we speak on their behalf and take the necessary steps to resolve these issues. I believe that once we stop thinking of of ourselves as just another drop in the ocean, we'll be able to see that we have the power to change the world. And essentially, this is what we're trying to do at Mentoring the Stars is um, we found our cause in the education of students. um, And we believe we can actually make a difference. We're just three girls who started this up and like we know we're we're really making a difference, Um, not just in BC, but hopefully we're inspiring people outside of BC as well to make a change. Well, I think that's, you know, a good point to end off on. Is there anything else you want to add before we end our conversation? I think that's it. Um, Our intention is just to help out as many people as possible and Um, you're really helping with getting the word out to the public. So thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about my cause. Um, We're very grateful here at Mentoring the Stars for this opportunity. Oh, no problem. It's been a a great conversation. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah, of course. It was was such a pleasure and you're so much fun to talk to. Thank (laughs) you. Um, so your rising, uh, not your rising youth, uh, your right to speak will be posted on the second Wednesday of every month. Thank you again for being on the show. Um, if someone wants to uh, use your service, where would they be able to find it? Uh, we have many different outlets to go and find us. Um, if you have any questions, you can feel free to contact us at mentoringthestars at gmail.com. You can visit our website at mentoringthestars.com or follow, follow us on social media where we have our application forms to sign up as either a mentor or a mentee. We have Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So Really, there's so many ways. You can honestly just Google us and you'll probably find us. <laughs> so those are the easiest ways to get to us. Awesome. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Rising Youth Podcast. For more information about the program we provide or to start your own project, visit risingyouth.ca. Let's raise awareness together.